Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, this morning we're going to talk about how to be a great church. I want to be a part of a great church, and I know you do. We're going to talk about some Bible principles. Happy 2020. How to be a great church. Psalm 97. We brought the new year in with God's people at a Bible conference. We were at church on New Year's Eve, and it's great. We didn't have to worry about uh, all the things that the world has to worry about. Did you drink too much? Are you going to get in the car and drive? Aren't you so glad that God freed you from all that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a freeing, freeing feeling to know that you're not in bondage to all, that, to all that junk the world has to offer. Psalm 97. Verse number 10. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He that preserveth the souls of his saints, he delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Do you love the Lord? How do you know that? How does your family know that? How does your neighbors know that? How does your spouse know that? How do your workers, your workmates know that? What were you and I before we were born again and saved? The answer is lost. When you and I were lost, we didn't love the Lord. We didn't hate evil. We were evil and we loved evil. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Yet, and Brother Kelly touched on this a little bit in some of his other Sunday school messages, the world, why do Christians who would claim the name of Christ love so much the things of the world? You know what one of the fastest growing religions among our youth today is? Pay attention, young people. Wicca. Well, what's Wicca? Witchcraft. It's one of the fastest growing religions among youth. Why are so-called Christians in love with Harry Potter? Why can't they wait to get another storybook and learn more about all of these fun stories? These hocus-pocus movies. These shows that enrich people's young people's hearts and minds with evil witchcraft why is the music that is entering into churches rock and roll because people's hearts so love that music you would think a christian's heart desire would to be have some great soul stirring spiritual songs but how can they all week, it's Taylor Swift. 
all week. It's Justin Bieber. And you expect these people to come in and actually get excited about singing a hymn or a spiritual song? I got news for you. It's not happening. The youth of today's world needs a regenerating power that only comes from God through His Holy Spirit. That is why it is so vitally important that if we are going to be a powerful church, I don't mean great in big numbers. I mean great spiritually. We must go after the lost. But you mean I can't watch football? You can watch football. <laughs> you mean I can't? You can do all the things that you want to do. But why does the Great Commission seem to always be the one that gets pushed away? Amen. That's right. I'm not accusing anyone of not loving the Lord. But when someone says they're a Christian and their life is consumed... Sports, rock and roll, movies. It makes it really, really hard for me to buy that. Brother Jimmy, are you against all those things? Anything that's against God's Word, I want to be against. Anything that God hates, I want to hate. I want to hate evil. If that movie has something evil in it, I hate it. I want you to hate it. If that song has a definition of love in it that God hates, I want you to hate it. If that song has something glorious about God, I want you to love it. If that movie or that film has something glorious about God, it has a good lesson, a good character lesson, then I want you to love that film. It's not about a song. It's not about a movie. It's about our heart's desire. If we want to be a great church, we need to love the Lord. And that equates, Psalm 97, hating evil. Psalm 34 and Proverbs 11, please. Psalms 34 and Proverbs chapter 11. Psalms 34, verse number 14. Here's what the Bible says. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There's a good one for brothers and sisters to know. <laughs> Sometimes, kids, it's best to just try to seek peace in the whole matter. You don't have to be right. You just have to find a way to get some peace out of it. And, and it means pursuing it. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, let's see what Proverbs 11, verse 19 says. Proverbs 11, verse number 19. As righteousness... Tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil 
pursueth it to his own death. I've studied karate. I've studied jujitsu extensively since I was 13 years old. I didn't, after my very, very first class, at the end of that, I didn't see any results. Matter of fact, at the end of the first week of lessons, I didn't see any results. For a month, at the end of that month, there was very, very little fruit. There was some sore muscles, there was confusion, there was a lot of jumbled up information that I really couldn't piece together. But what did I do? I pursued it. I pursued it. That's what we need to do. Pursue peace. Pursue righteousness. The first time I met my wife, I didn't show up with a bouquet of flowers and say, will you marry me? <laughs> I didn't see results. But I saw someone worth getting to know. And what did I do? I pursued. I pursued. I saw someone worth fighting for. I saw someone worth committing to. And then there's a pursuit, which gentlemen, by the way, you pursue the lady, late, uh, young girls, pay attention. You don't chase after or pursue the boy. He should pursue you. We're not going to get into all that, but just so you have something a little extra to chew on. Now, I can mess up. You can mess up. We all can mess up in our pursuits. That's going to happen in any relationship. Church, family, no different at all. What? But it's about what? Persistence. Pursue that which is good. If we can all do that, we can be a great church. Pursue that which is righteous. If we all do that, we can be a great, great church. Proverbs 13. Um, in, in, in verse 21, the Bible says, evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. There is something that's going to pursue you. That's why Proverbs 11, we already read it. So he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. You and I, out in the world, before we were saved, doing our thing. You know what we were after? Evil. You know what we were pursuing? Evil. We also see in Proverbs 13, evil pursueth sinners. It wants you. It's coming after you. You're going to have to make all types of decisions in your life because the evil of this world wants you out of church, wants you out of church, wants your family out of church, wants me out of the pulpit, doesn't want... Brother Kelly up here teaching Sunday school 
and you can go right down and name every single one of us, it wants us not doing what God would have us to do. You want to be a great church? Be aware evil is pursuing you. Now, look, we've got the victory in Jesus. Praise God. We've got all the tools available to us right here in the Bible. Praise God. That lost and dying world doesn't. That evil pursues them day after day after day. This is why we must. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We must be an evangelistic church if we want to be a New Testament church. We must be. We can't lose ground on this. Psalm 34, 14, Depart from evil and do good, seek peace, and pursueth righteousness, tendeth to life. That's our side. Peace, that's our side. Righteousness, that's our side. Life, more abundant spiritually in Jesus Christ. Okay. This is key. You and I don't become spiritual superheroes after we attend a two-day conference or a three-day Bible camp. We don't. I love them. I go to them. It's a, a, if I got vacation time or free time, I'm, I want to try to do something like that. I would encourage you to do the same. But the most important thing is not to get your B12 shot a Jesus at a Bible camp or a conference. They're important to go to. This is where the rubber meets the road. All year, in between those two or three little camps or meetings or conferences, those little things is what makes those very few big things fit all together. It's the little things in life, guys. There's a lot of little things. There's a lot of boring stuff we take for granted. There's a lot of repetitive day-by-day things that we take for granted. What wears parents out? Now, you grandparents, you already know where I'm going with this. It's the little things that the cute little sinful creatures do every day that wears you out, isn't it? It's just those little things that they keep doing that's just like, when are they going to quit it? Right? Wives, you don't get worn out because your husband goes to the bar drinking every Friday night. He's a good man. (laughs) You don't get wear out that he grabs some extra hours and makes some extra money so the family can go on a a little bit of a vacation over the summer. That doesn't wear you out. He's a great guy. He works. He, you love it. What wears you out? Why does he keep leaving his stupid shoes right there? That little thing that he does every day, it just wears on you. I'm telling you, when I got married, my wife, would, my wife and I would fight. You know what my thing? I was a good guy. I thought I was a good guy. I was wearing her out. You know what I do? I just leave things all over the place. I got a notebook here. I got a pen here. I got notes over here. I got my computer over here. 
I got clothes on the floor over here. Why? I'm a multitasker. <laughs> to me, it's clean. To me, I know where everything's at. <laughs> little things. Little things. We had to go see the preacher. preacher had to help me out. Yeah. Husbands, same thing. Same thing. It's the little things. We need to get in the pursuit. Pursue what? Seeking peace. Seeking to do good. Seeking for the most righteous way of handling something. Seeking God. That's how we be a great church. You don't measure things short-term. You, me you measure them long-term. Youth, you've got to start looking with the end in mind. Not with what is just happening right now. That's what we all need to do. Mark chapter 4. Church planning is much the same. It is all the little things. Trying to re, 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 revive or revitalize a church it's, it's, or church planning, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same. The little things. Mark chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse number 3. <clears throat> Hearken. That means pay attention, by the way. Behold! There went out a sower to sow. It came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30. That's midweek service, by the way, if you're not. <laughs> and some 60, that's Sunday night. And some 100 full, that's Sunday morning. I'm only, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. What do you see about the principles we see here? Did they put one little seed in the ground? Well, I got no results. Was there anything wrong with the seed? In any of those situations, there was never anything wrong with the seed. And there never will be anything wrong with the seed. What was the problem? The ground. There isn't one thing that I can tell you that we are all going to do this week where we're going to have somebody come in and visit. And if someone tries to tell me or you, look, I've got the secret. We're going to do this one thing and people will come. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. You know what this sower's doing? He's casting seed. He doesn't pull out of his pocket one little seed, throw it on the ground, and the next day say, shake his fist at God. God, that didn't work. He's sowing seed. 
That's what you and I need to do. Sow seed. But you know what we tend to do? Ah, I gave out one gospel track and someone said I don't want it. Or I turned around and I saw them throw it in the trash. Well, that don't work. We can't do one thing one time and shake our fist at God and say that doesn't work. This sower was cast in seed. That's what we need to do. Cast seed. And that's how we can become a great church. Passing out tracts won't work. You're right, it won't work if you put one out. Knocking on doors, ah, that's, that doesn't work anymore. No, if, if you knock on one door, you're right, it doesn't work. Open air preaching, ah, that, that turns people off, that don't work. You're right, if you do it one time, it won't work. Talking about hell and, and God's wrath and, and we need to have our sins paid for, all that stuff that turns people away, that won't work. That's right, if you mention it one time, Without qualifying it and expounding upon it, you're right, it won't work. We're not called to do something once. Consistent persistence. This is how we become a great church. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter number 3. Verse number 8. This is good, guys. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. You ever ask somebody a question you really don't care about the answer? I've done that. How's the weather? I really don't care what the answer is. I don't care about the weather. Just trying to find a way to break the ice. How's the kids? And you know, you don't really care. How's work going? And you know you're trying to get off to your next meeting. You ever done that? <laughs> We've all done that to some extent. I'm going to tell you this morning, I really do love what I'm doing. I love it. And we had a great time in, in Canaan, Virginia, catching up with some old friends and, 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 seeing, and, and seeing folks. And I had a great time. It was a real blessing. Glad I did, did it. But the whole time, I'm really thinking, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back to see my church family. I, re I really mean that. I love what I'm doing. And... I really do care about the church family that God has given us. I care. I really do. And there comes a point where we might fight because anybody that knows anybody for any length of time is going to get in a fight. We might have a disagreement. That happens. But if anybody comes in here and wants to fight with us, then... I got a problem. Anybody comes in here and wants to fight with you, then we got a problem. You've been married any length of time, you know you fight with your wife, right, fellas? We do. Ladies, you know you're going to have a fuss at your husband. As soon as he comes home, you know you're going to fuss with him. That has happened. If you've been married any length of time, I can fight with my wife. I can have an argument with her. I can have a disagreement with her. Somebody else tries it, 
we got a problem. Fellas, somebody else tries it with your lady, guess what? Now they got a problem. That's the way it ought to be. Have your disagreements. See things differently. We need to know we're sticking with we're sticking with God's book, with the Lord. We want His blessing, and we're a family. That's, that's the way that it ought to be. Now, how do you create brothers and sisters out of strangers, though? I mean, the Bible does call us strangers and pilgrims, right? So how do you create brothers and sisters out of strangers? Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And let's read verse number 8 again. Finally, be ye all of one mind. Well, that's next to impossible. Having compassion one of another. That's another almost impossible task. Love is brethren. Well, how am I going to do that? Be pitiful. That doesn't mean you don't, don't, you don't. <laughs> Our preacher, yeah, he's a pitiful sight, you know. I could see Sister Connie at Walmart. How's church going? Our preacher, he's just a pitiful sight, you know. <laughs> no, it, it means tender hearted, it means merciful. That's what that means. James 5 says the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. That's your cross reference to this verse, by the way, James 5.11. Look, how do you create brothers and sisters out of strangers? We care about one another. We have compassion one for another. We're courteous and pitiful, meaning we're tender-hearted. And we, we show mercy to each other. We do all we can do to build each other up. It's for the edification of the saints. But why so many times is it just easier to do verse 9? He did evil to me, I'm going to do evil to him. He railed on me, I'm going to rail on him. God says, but contrawise, blessing. Knowing that you're there, I'm too called that you should inherit a blessing. God's saying, look, you guys, you lose focus so easy. We lose focus so easy. We can't. We must stand united and bless one another. Church planting, church leadership, having a great church, here's what it is. Loving God's people. Loving those who are committed to the cause of Christ. That's how we have one mind. It's long-term thinking. And Ross Perot said it best. I used to love watching those debates. I, I, I liked Ross. He said, you can't fund long-term debt with short-term money. <laughs> he, he's trying to let the guys made billions of dollars. You think, you think people would listen to him. He spent $65 million of his own money <laughs> to try to get people that are broke to understand how you fix it. And he says, look, it's a simple principle, people. You can't fund long-term debt, long-term problems with short-term money or short-term solutions. You've got to think beyond. You've got to think long-term. You can't think here. You have to think there. We've got to do the same. Children, pay attention. 
Someone asked, people ask, where do you go to church? Do you like it? Like it? <laughs> I love it! <laughs> what do you mean do I like it? Wrong question! When we ask the church member, how you doing? We should be asking that because we care. We really do care how they're doing. When someone is hurting, when somebody has a need, we ask, do you need anything? They should know that we sincerely mean, no, really, do you need anything? They should know we're ready to support them spiritually any way we can. They should know they have liberty to be themselves. You get yourself in trouble when you say that. With all this LBGT, XYZ, ABC, QR, people don't even know what pronoun to use anymore. I don't mean all that, waving the pride flag and, the, and, and these, this queer agenda. I don't mean any of that. What I mean is, too many churches have this cliquish, controllish feel about them where everybody's walking on eggshells. Everybody's afraid to ask the pastor something because he's just going to... Who knows what he's going to do? Everybody's afraid to go to any of the men of the church or talk to the ladies about anything because it's just going to be... It's this eggshell mentality. We have to have that. We have to have the opposite of that. How do we do that? All these verses that we're reading all have to do with what our heart's desire is. You can't legislate people's heart. You can create rules. You can force people to follow God's commandments. And all that will give us is the appearance of righteousness. And it will look like, man, that's a growing, thriving church. No, it's not. I don't know if people listen to this anymore or not. You, you, can, you can have Led Zeppelin and Van Halen. You can have someone listening to letting the lead out all week. And when they come to church... You can make them sit down and sing a hymn. And they'll do that. And then you can make a rule. Nobody is allowed to listen to Led Zeppelin or they're not right with God. As if some of the things you do don't make you not right with God. Like we all don't have stuff, right? So that man gets afraid, so he's not going to listen to all that junk, right? Great, he's not listening to it. Did that do anything for that man's heart? Instead, we can teach God's Word. We can sing God's praises. We can teach principles from the Bible. We can allow God's Word to work in that man's heart. And when it does, his heart changes and then he chooses to say, you know what? I don't have a desire for that anymore. I don't love evil music anymore. I want to pursue righteousness. It's the pursuit. These are heart issues. And if we become a church where we try to rule and legislate everybody's heart, 
we become a pharisaical group of hypocritical Christians. I got a doctrinal idea statement on everything. <laughs> That's what I do. I study the Bible. Part of a preacher's job is to be against everything. Come see our preacher. He's against everything. I mean, really, right? I do. I, I am for conservative dress. I believe there's a distinction between a man and a woman. I see those principles clearly all through the Scripture. I can force, force people to dress a certain way, or I can preach God's Word, teach God's principles. you got to have rules for youth, right? But look, at the end of the week, I would rather have somebody see it for themselves because they got it from God rather than being forced to by the preacher or the church members that are sneering their nose at every girl that walks in with a pair of skinny jeans. You picking up what I'm putting down? Look, I'm not for girls walking around in skinny jeans. I'm not for it. I'm not for guys walking around in skinny jeans either, by the way. But look, we can't sneer our nose at everybody that doesn't do everything the way we think they should do it. As if we do everything the way we should do it. You smelling what I'm stepping in? It's important. These are hard issues. Hebrews 10. I got a hairy. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24, the Bible says, and let us consider one another, Hebrews 10, 24, to provoke unto love and to good works. I was the oldest of six. I love provoking my brothers and sisters. And if you've got brothers and sisters, you might love provoking them too. <laughs> the Bible says there's something we should provoke them to. And it's not getting them so frustrated that they throw their truck across the room to try to hit you in the head. <laughs> it's to provoke them unto love and to good works. I'd hate to be a church where all the members are scouting around the church house making sure that everybody's doing everything exactly right like little robots. I'd hate to be that church. I'd hate to have the I'm so spiritual police running around trying to catch somebody doing something wrong. We just can't let everything slide. But look, I'm just, it's, it's an attitude. You know what everybody's thinking about if they're caught in an environment like that? The kids, the mamas, and the papas are all thinking, I can't wait to get through Sunday. You know what we want people thinking? I, I can't wait to get to Sunday. There's a difference. I just want to get through this. Our heart's desire is we truly, honestly want people thinking and leaving here. Man, I can't wait till next time we get together with God's people. We're all imperfect. We all do things wrong. Nobody has it figured out 100%. But we provoke each other to love and to good works. And then you do what every good church does. You let the preacher be the bad guy. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up Colossians chapter number three. 
The true measure of loving God is to love God without measure. That's the true measure of loving Him. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. I, I honestly want you to walk out of here this morning thinking that. I want to be thinking that. We're dead, our life is hid with Christ and God. This is where we should be thinking. Eternal, spiritual, not temporal and earthy. Instead, we spiritualize everything. There's good, smart, great men and great women. Watch, here's how, here's how it goes. You see how hungry I am for Bible truth? You see how hungry I am for Scripture knowledge? Yeah, you're hungry for Bible truth, all right. You are. You find the Christian that prays as much as he studies the Bible. You find the Christian that's before God in fervent prayer, seeking the Lord as much as he's seeking for Scripture truth. We can be a great church. We can why? That's the heart that's hungry for God. It's not just getting Bible knowledge. It's not just getting Scripture truth. So we have the longest statement of faith that Putnam County has ever known. And we can show everybody how much Bible truth we know. Not if we don't seek God in prayer as much as we study His Word. Too many times we have spiritual pride seek into our lives. And we can hang our hats on, we're so small because we're so right. Nobody wants to come here because praise God, we got the truth and nobody wants it. And some of that is true. But not all of that's true. We just need to get our heads down and get lower. God, would you just build your church? Would you just build my family? Would you just help me see some more truth? It's prayer. Please, please do what God's Word says in 2020. Please pray without ceasing. Please do that. I will therefore that men pray everywhere. We're not going to be a great church. Gentlemen, listen to me. We are not going to be a great church unless you men pray everywhere. I don't, mean I don't mean close your eyes and bow your head when you're driving down South Willow. <laughs> pray one for another. Ladies, we are not going to be a strong church unless you ladies are praying for us. 
praying for the men of this church, praying for the children of this church, praying that we would be a powerful church family for God. Please, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Please pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Lastly, go to Colossians 1. I'll read this and we'll be done. Children, pay attention. Colossians chapter 1. This is important. It's God's Word. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, let's start at verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Oh, Heavenly Father, please help us to be a great church, not great in number, not great in Bible knowledge, although we want more people, Lord, and we do want to know You more. We want to know Your truth more. We do. Help us to be great spiritually with spiritual hearts and a spiritual prayer life. Not 30 seconds before every meal. Not a minute or two before church service. Help us to pray, Lord, and seek You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.